You are listening to Affirm, the podcast for women of color who affirm their worth, value mental health, and seek wholeness. I'm your host, Davia Roberts, and today's affirmation is, when I turn down the noise, I can hear what's best for me. You are listening to episode 40, birth control, the pill, and holistic alternatives. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Affirm. Again, my name is Davia Roberts and I am your host. Today, we're discussing birth control. Now, the discussion of reproductive health is a highly politicized topic. And while we're still fighting to have autonomy over access to health care for a myriad of needs, there's another wellness issue at hand, miseducation or lack of education for the best options for our bodies. And I'm specifically referring to birth control, how it works and the tons of options that we can use naturally or with medication. Because while women's bodies are constantly the topic of conversation, many women are sharing how they received very little education about the inner workings of their bodies outside of the don't get pregnant message pushed by their parents, schools and abstinence programs. This lack of education leads many women to not know how to advocate for their needs or have awareness of different options for their reproductive health. And when you don't know your body and you don't know your options, you can't make informed decisions about the right doctors or medications. So today, we'll be joined by an amazing educator who will help us understand our options and why we need to do our homework. While we're discussing women's reproductive health, we are not acting as your doctors. Always seek the advice and support of your physician or other qualified health providers for your particular situations. Now, without further ado, I'm glad to share that I'm being joined by Cindy Lukeen, a reproductive justice activist and fertility coach. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. Um, thanks for that introduction. I, you made me sound like really cool. <laughs> <laughs> you are really cool. You do a lot of dope work. Um, what brought you to that level of work? Um, well, so, okay, let's begin. When I was first diagnosed in 2015, uh, I was diagnosed, no, 2014. Okay. <laughs> I was diagnosed with a... Um, ovarian cyst. And <clears throat> I had a, a large ovarian cyst on my right ovary. But before that, leading up for about two years, I had been enduring pain on my right hip. And I kept going to the doctor over and over and over over the course of two years. And they kept giving me pain medication. And obviously, it never went away. It actually got worse. And once it started cutting into my daily work life, um, that's when I realized, okay, this isn't normal. Even my husband would say, hey, you know, you've been lying on the couch for like two weeks straight. This doesn't look like it's something that you should be um, enduring. So I went to the doctor uh, one day to urgent care. And luckily, the, the doctor that was there, she said, okay, we're going to order you an x-ray. So I went, the x-ray came back, and I'm like, there's some abnormal shadowing. Uh, let's follow up with a transvaginal ultrasound. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, a transvaginal ultrasound is when they use um, one of those devices, like a rod, um, they insert it into your vagina, and then they can see everything that's going on inside. Um, so once they did that, that's when they discovered, okay, you have a large cyst on your right ovary. They said it's about the size of a grapefruit, and then you have a smaller cyst on your left ovary. And I immediately thought, how long has a cyst been growing inside of me? Um, I had been taking hormonal birth control, the pills specifically for about six years. Did that contribute to this growth? 
And um, the doctors pretty much responded saying, well, you know, it's a possibility. There's always a risk. Um, and I just thought, like, I thought I was making a responsible decision because I didn't want to be a teen parent. My parents were teenagers when they had me. Yeah. You know, this was the the family history that I came from. And, you know, Latinas are always seen as hyperfertile. Women of color in general are seen as hyperfertile. And you don't want to follow that statistic because that's all we're ever told growing up. So once I heard that, I thought, oh, my God, like, I the system has failed me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I thought I made the right decision and now I'm having to deal with this. So after that, they pretty much said that the best option for me would be to have surgery. So um, I went ahead and had the surgery and they had to remove my right ovary. So I've been living with one ovary for the past four years. I want to say that brought on a lot of other um, feelings and, questioning my womanhood and what does this mean if I want to have children in the future um, then family starts getting concerned are they going to have grandchildren you know and 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 all these different um, elements that that are just brought into the conversation that you don't really think about so that's pretty much how I got into this work I once I did the follow-up after the surgery I remember asking the doctors um you know, is there anything else that I can use? And they pretty much said, well, you can actually just go back on um, the pill. Like, you're fine. You're healing fine. Go back but on pause. the pill. But pause. Did yeah. they say <laughs> it could have potentially contributed to the cyst? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that could put you at risk for another one? That's exactly what I said. I said, so I don't understand because when I was diagnosed, you said that this potentially contributed to me having that cyst they're like no actually it can they can help shrink any potential cysts that grow on your existing ovary so well, that doesn't even make sense to me and because it obviously this, didn't work the first this, time <laughs> yeah we had this back and forth for a little bit and then that's when i realized like nope nobody's gonna help advocate for you none of your medical care providers are, are going to give you other options um you're gonna have to do the work yourself so that's when I went on this year long hunt for a more natural birth control. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did like Google searching. I went to my public library and then that's actually when I came across the book called taking charge of your fertility. It's about like an encyclopedia size book. Okay. And I just like, yeah, I just dove into it. I was like, let me see what this is about. Um, and I discovered that there are other methods like the fertility awareness method. I use the method, um, the simple thermal method specifically, and that's you check your basal body temperature, you check your cervical fluid, and then you can check your, um, cervical position. And using those three, what are known as fertile signs during your cycle, you can then determine when you're actually fertile and you're not. And that's another thing that I discovered in the book is, our entire lives were always taught you're potentially at risk to just becoming pregnant like any day of the month. Mm -hmm. That's actually false. There's a window of about six days that you're actually fertile um, because the vagina is actually very acidic. So sperm don't thrive in that type of environment unless it's in the right, unless the right parts are at hand, right? Like the right environment, like you have fertile cervical fluid, which usually 
If you notice sometimes in your underwear, you have kind of a wet feeling or it looks like um, clear uh, raw egg whites, that is a fer fertile cervical fluid. So sperm live in that, they thrive in that. So if that's not present, then you're actually not fertile. So yeah, it, it, it really blew my mind. And once I discovered this information and I started practicing it myself, I realized like, wow, okay, so I actually know what my body's doing more than my own doctors. And every time I would go, they kept asking, what kind of um, birth control are you using? Are you using condoms? Are you using the pill? And I said, well, you know, sometimes I use condoms. Um, and that's because I know when I'm fertile. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, well, you know, if you're not on the pill or if you're not on any type of hormonal birth control, uh, you're, you're going to get pregnant. You know that, right? And I said, well, if I know how I'm, if I know my, my cycle and I'm charting it and I know what I'm doing, then, then no, they're like, well, you know, that's only like 70 something percent to 80 something percent accurate. And I said, I, I understand that, but that's because we don't get the education around it. So. It's been interesting having these conversations yeah. with medical providers and seeing how even our medical providers don't get this information or they also have so very little. So it's kind of like this cycle of misinformation being told back and forth. And, and so what do we do in that case? We feel very lost. So that's why I, I just started documenting and getting into this work and you know, when they say you turn your pain into purpose, I, I honestly feel like now this incident was almost a blessing in disguise because I was so out of tune with my body. I think a lot of us adopt this set it and forget it attitude about our reproductive health and our, you know, reproductive years um, until, and, and even doctors tell you this, like, take the pill it's fine and when you're ready to have a kid just stop the pill and then you'll get pregnant and everything will be fine and, but that's not and really we're going to find studies though. it actually takes some time mm -hmm. to get pregnant it doesn't just happen mm -hmm. <laughs> you know yeah and i'm like and you've been pumping all of these hormones into your body for years and your body needs time to adjust so no you just stopping the pill one month does not mean the next month you're getting pregnant your body has to go through right? a transition period and uh -huh. And I guess what's frustrating for me to hear is this whole idea that doctors always say that medication works different for everyone. So some people are going to experience certain side effects and other people are going to feel loose and fancy free. They're going to be unaffected, <laughs> right? Yeah. But the yeah. fact that even when you had to have surgery, that they were still pushing the pill after mm -hmm. what you had gone through just blows my mind. I'm like, you see that mm -hmm. it had an adverse reaction and yet you're still mm -hmm. pushing the pill. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like it's just normal to have an ovary removed and we just move on with our life. Exactly. And yeah. It, it It's like an organ was taken from me. Thank <laughs> you, you know, like now that I look back on it, like, Honestly, and, and when I think about it, because the year after that, I, I had back surgery also, so I had a herniated disc. So for about two years, my body went through a lot. Um, and I thought my back surgery would be worse than the ovarian surgery. And it was actually, actually the ovarian surgery was a lot harder to recover from. I think it took me about a year 
honestly to, to start feeling normal in my body because I would feel numbness in that area. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, you use a lot of your core and you don't realize that until, you know, you have a major surgery things, like yeah. that and, and simple things like sneezing and laughing were really painful. So, you know, it was a lot, it, you know, I, that's why when, when I now have people approach me they're like, Oh, you know, I found that I ha- that I have a system. Like if I knew what I know now, um, I would have tried other methods before going through with that surgery. Cause we're not told, you know, that, that there's perhaps other ways of treating that. Yeah. And I think that also is rooted in the fact that the healthcare system has been so biased um, towards women of color. And so mm-hmm. our needs are blatantly ignored. We're seen as complaining um, or being mm-hmm. difficult or, because we're women of color, we have to be addicts. We have to be asking for pain medication because we have a drug problem. Like we're just not yeah. taken seriously. So our health needs aren't taken seriously. So I'm like, there's just so yeah. many issues. Yeah. Like you said, you're just complaining. I mean, I even saw it with my own, without my own mom growing up, you know, she was always at the doctor for something. And I remember even within my own family, it was like, Oh, you just want to go to the doctor. You just want to live there. There's always something wrong with you. I, as a child growing up, started thinking that too like there's always something wrong with my mom what's wrong with her mm-hmm. um but now as an adult i realize my mom was really advocating for herself because the doctors that she went through probably were not helping her the best way that she wanted to so what was what was she supposed to do she did what she could she was advocating for her own health and she always told me too like if i don't take care of myself nobody's going to take care of me and it's true you know like if mom gets sick, nobody cares. Like everybody has to still rely on mom. But I would see it when my dad got sick, like, God forbid, everybody stay quiet. The world must stop, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so those dynamics too, they all play into this. Yeah. Cause this just listening thing. to your story, I think about, I had a similar, different situation, but I had a situation a few years ago where I was going to a, a doctor and she was, um, she was not a, a woman of color. And I remember saying some, um, some symptoms and some issues that I had been facing. And she was like, well, I'll just give you this pill. And I tried the pill for two days and I'm not a big fan of pills. I was like, it ain't work. <laughs> I was like, two days was enough. It ain't work. That ain't it. That ain't the problem. Um, and she just disregarded it. So I did my due diligence to find a different doctor and I found a black woman who also, um, she came from a holistic approach. And Ooh. when I told her my symptoms, she was like, well, okay. She was like, I'm not saying you have, you know, an issue or anything like that, but what we're going to do is we're going to do some tests and we're just going to find mm-hmm. out for certain. Um, I found out I had fibroids. And I would have never known that I would have just kept having certain medications pushed immune. It was like, oh, it's not a big deal. Whatever. Don't worry about it. And uh-huh. it wasn't until I met with this other doctor who took a holistic approach, who actually spent more than 15 minutes with me, answered all my questions, took the time to listen. Because I'm not sure about you or anyone else, but when I go in for my annual they are shipping us in and out. Like that was mm-hmm. my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until. it's like an assembly line. Exactly. Like, it's yeah. like 10 minutes, one and done. Um, mm-hmm. And as as I spent 45 minutes in the waiting room. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's like, <laughs> right. you don't really get to, to ask anything. You don't get to have a conversation. They're like, oh, that's fine. Don't worry about that. And it's like, but you, 
I have questions and I know my body a little bit better than you do. Mm-hmm. And so it is just really sad that some people, I just happen to get lucky with the right doctor, but a lot of the health history that I've now learned is in my family. I didn't know until I got a mm-hmm. diagnosis. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to know what you think about some of the reasons our families aren't having these conversations. Well, I think because first there's a stigma. Um, I know from my own experience. Today's episode is sponsored by Did you hear that silence? That means Affirm did not have an episode sponsor, aka that means we are not bringing in any money for this episode. So if you support the Affirm podcast and want to help cover expenses so that I can pay for equipment, hosting fees, and hire someone to edit episodes, I highly urge you to become a Patreon supporter. Go to patreon.com forward slash redefine enough. With your monthly pledge, I'll be able to cover basic podcast expenses. And once we reach 100 patrons, I'll be able to pay for transcription services and book a monthly spot in a podcasting studio. Plus, as a patron, you get access to exclusive interviews and journals that aren't released to the public. So if you'd like to support the Affirm podcast, I highly encourage you to become a patron by visiting patreon.com forward slash redefine enough. Thanks, y'all. Well, I think because first there's a stigma. Um, I know from my own experience, anytime a woman, anytime a woman tries to take control of her sexuality, um, not in the sense of reproduction, right? Because we tend to separate those two, like sexuality is one thing Mm -hmm. and then reproducing is another thing. They don't go hand in hand, even though technically they do. <laughs> Thank you. Because everyone um, wants to get you pregnant and so they can have grandkids, but they don't want you to have sex. I'm like, you know how this works, right? Right, right, right. right. Um, so I think that has been so stigmatized. It's seen as if you think of yourself as a sexual being, then automatically you're demonized. It's like you're dirty or you're a floozy you're fast, a loose woman, you're Mm -hmm. fast, you know, all these things. So I think that's number one. Um, And then secondly, I think that a lot of fear. um, I think honestly, it comes a lot from colonization too, like historically, right? We've just been stripped of practices that we had, um, like you said, your doctor had a more holistic approach. I think historically we also had a holistic approach, you know, women in different cultures were the ones that were taking care of other women in, um, when it came to their reproductive health or these transitions in life, right? With menstruation, then moving on to your reproductive years and moving on to menopause or, you know, whatever that looked like then. Um, there was always that community of, of women that, help each other. And I think um, colonization, misogyny has stripped us of that. And then, you know, came the medical industry that was standardized and, and looked at, at um, you know, granny doulas and midwives and birth workers and parteras and, and all these people that were doing this healing work and holding space for other women as 
you are putting the community at risk. And so we stripped, we were stripped of these knowledges, right? And so now we rely so heavily on, you know, white men in a lab coat who tell us about our bodies, even though they've never experienced these things. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's a really good book. I'm thinking it's called Midwives, Witches, Midwives and Nurses. And it gives the historical context of how that shift happened in the medical industry from doulas and midwives to being demonized and now how the medical industry works today. And I think we're trying to get back to that, but I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it will ever look the way it did before. It, pro- it probably won't, but I think there's a movement trying to, to move towards that because like yourself, you know, women of color have higher chances of, of fibroids. Now we're finding ovarian cysts are becoming very common now, you know, all these different things. And, you know, if, if the medical industry isn't advocating for our health, then we're going to look for other methods. And you are, you're absolutely right. I think there's way more information and way more media, media attention given to certain um, norms, unacceptable norms in the medical profession. Um, like you talked about just with like fibroids or even like mortality rate when it comes to giving birth, we see higher rates, significantly higher rates when it comes to women of color versus white women. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Due to to systemic racism um, and people just not giving a rat's butt about mm-hmm. women saying, I know my body, yet you're still not listening to me. Well, right. Um, I mean, look at what happened to Serena Williams, um, Gabrielle Union, a number of other well-known celebrities, women of color that are coming on saying, I advocated for myself, but I went years, went through years of pain. And it wasn't until, you know, one other doctor woman of color or, or somebody just listened and then I was able to get a, the right diagnosis. What are other ways that we can begin to take a more holistic approach when it comes to our reproductive health? Well, I come from the, like I mentioned, I used the um, fertility awareness method. I haven't seen too many women of color. Um, and I'm hoping that I do in the future. Uh, because it's so necessary. I think from what I've seen, it's very, a lot of white women are doing this work, which is, which is cool. Like, Hey, you know, good for them that they're trying to get the message across too. But I think what's important that we um, look at the historical context also and include that in the work that we're doing, because that way we know that there's a cultural piece. Like there's a lot of, um, ancient methods that were used, um, you know, like, for example, vaginal steaming has become trendy now, right? Mm-hmm. But that's been going on for centuries in different parts of the world. Um, and, and because goop, you know, we're going to paltrow and do the thing now, <laughs> you know, now everyone's like, oh my God, I want to go get my vagina steamed, you know, but that's been going on for centuries in different parts of the world. But the thing is, it hasn't been documented. And I always find that in the medical industry, there's always hesitation with these like more holistic approaches or practices because it's like, well, where are the studies? It's like, but look at the experience, look at the observation that if this has, if this practice has been going on for centuries, 
why is that why is that not enough and and it goes again into like racism and misogyny and not letting communities of color say like we have this knowledge yeah it it brings to mind a recent article that i saw floating around um around what was it it was about yoga but long story short some white scientists basically tried to rename um the benefits of yoga and mindfulness and practices and things like that. And obviously there was a backlash. They're like, oh, we've been practicing this for decades. Where y'all been? <laughs> y'all were telling us we were crazy and we were tripping. Um, <laughs> they're like, but now yeah. you want to repackage it and call it something else because you've mm-hmm. done enough studies on it because now you have the yeah. studies. Now it's valid to you and now it's worth something. And I, mm-hmm. I do believe that that happens um, really frequently in in Western culture, where it's not valid until mm-hmm. a certain group puts the stamp of approval on it. What are their options, least harmful or mm-hmm. less scary? Well, condoms are always effective. Um, I think that's another thing to, um, and they also protect you against STIs. <laughs> STIs are, are still a, a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. We don't talk about that enough. Um especially when we're young and maybe you're not in a monogamous monogamous relationship. Um, but I think condoms, there's also another device called Daisy, D-A-Y-S-Y. That is a digital fertility tracking device and it's a thermometer. It's got 30 plus years of medical research to back it up. It's German engineered, really highly effective. Um, so basically what you do is you take your temperature every morning with that device and it gives you a light signal that will then sync to an app onto your phone and it starts calculating your fertile days. So it'll give you a green is like, go, you're safe. Like if you're not trying to have a kid, then you're good to go. Yellow means it's fluctuating. still kind of learning your, your cycle. And then red means you're fertile. So it's like not today, you know, yeah, not today. Like if you're not trying to have a baby, you probably don't want to do anything or use a condom as a backup. So something simple like that is, uh, I think really effective for some, because again, I totally take into account that not everybody is going to want to learn and sit there and chart and, you know, all these things. So I think something like that is really good to always have as backup very effective that's really helpful because i definitely think there are people i i am one of those people where like i'm abstinent right now but i've always been horrible when it comes to actually like charting my cycle people like well when is it coming i'm like i don't know i'm like it's gonna come (laughs) like like, i'm not i'm not concerned about anything but but even now like i have an app on my phone just so i can chart it and remember and it's really Mm -hmm. helpful for me to be able to go in and be like okay it's coming in these few days but i just say that to say this not everyone is in a space where they're going to chart everything out and that's okay Mm -hmm. we all have different personalities and that's why when you're thinking about your different options whether it's a condom um or you're using something like Daisy, it's like be mindful of who you truly are. Because mm-hmm. even when I was in college yes. and the only options that we would think about were like the pill or um, like the ring and things like that, mm-hmm. I would tell mm-hmm. friends, I was like, I would never use the pill. 
my memory's not set up for that. I'm not going to take it at the same time every day. I know I'm going to forget it. I'm going to be pregnant and pissed off. (laughs) So it's like, know what you can handle. And so there's no judgment Mm -hmm. in what option that you decide to take. I think it's just very important for us to be mindful of what our options are because so many of us have only considered the pill, have only considered the ring or the shot or whatever, but we Mm -hmm. haven't done enough research to actually know what all of our options are. And I think that's the saddest part Mm -hmm. because some people can have no issue with any of these options whatsoever that we're discussing. Right. But some of us are. And so it's like, let's actually look into other options. And I think even... Yeah, and studies are are starting to take into account that like uh, putting synthetic hormones into our bodies are actually having a negative effect. It's like, well, duh. What would you say as we're transitioning into this more woke space? What are some spaces that we can continue to grow in our learning? Like I found some online, like Facebook groups and things like that. Are there certain spaces that you would recommend that um, are really helpful and informative? Definitely. There are groups that are more towards using natural methods like um, fertility, or I think it's called FAM, FAM groups or FAM for trying to avoid pregnancy. You know, there's different types of groups that, that people can find. Um, <clears throat> there's also um, a group called... Uh, Indigenous Mamas, and this is actually headed from, um, there's a birth worker. Her name is Banketsani, and she uses more indigenous practices in her teachings. Um, and she goes by Indigenous Mama on Instagram. She has a group too, and it, it's a lot more birth worker centered, you know, like you're already expecting. So you want to have like a nice transition into having your child. I also do recommend, I know because not everybody wants to read books. Um, Netflix is a big thing. There's a lot of documentaries on there. Um, I always do want to give a disclaimer, like check in where you're at mentally, because a lot of these can be very, um, very triggering and they can be very traumatizing. Also, Um, there is a documentary called The Bleeding Edge. And that one was actually about some years back when they had that um that coil that would permanently sterilize women um where you had the option that women wanted to just like oh i'm i instead of a tubal ligation like they had this device mm-hmm. right that would permanently sterilize women um and seeing the effects that ended up happening to women um again like check where you're at like allow yourself the space see if where you're at mentally if you can uh, absorb that information because it is heavy content to to look at and watch. Um, so the bleeding edge is one of them. There's another one that's called reversing row. That one's a lot more political. Um, just looking at where reproductive rights have gone, where they're going. It's always like this toss up, right? Of mm-hmm. it's always at risk where access to these services are being taken away and then who gets affected by it and it's a super important conversation to always continuously be had um there's another one called i don't remember but i i will give it to you so you can include it in your show notes (laughs) so for Um, everyone listening i will include all the dope resources that she had she shared in the show notes Um, 
there's so many that I watched. That's why I, I they didn't come to me fresh in my mind. Um, but there's another one that is following a couple that is trying IVF and dealing with infertility and, and their experience. And they documented that. So there's, there's Netflix documentaries available and I will make sure to give them to you so you can share with everybody. But I yeah, like that. Netflix and chill, right? But like <laughs> get educated at the same time. <laughs> exactly. But no, I want to say thank you for all the information that you've shared today, because at the end of the day, like I want everyone to walk away knowing that there are there are options and we have more than one option available to us in the realm of female health, not Mm -hmm. only when it comes to birth control, but protecting ourselves when it comes to from STIs, all of these different things, like these are conversations that are not wrong to to have and to buck Mm -hmm. up against and to question. It's like have questions for your doctor, have questions with your partner, have conversations and there is no right or wrong answer when it comes to your body. Mm -hmm. What works for me may not work for you. Do what feels good for you in this time and in this space when it comes to protecting your health. So yes, you Mm -hmm. can stick with birth control. You can still stick with the ring. You can stick with whatever you have going, but just be informed that you have other options and it's okay to explore and figure that out at your own pace. And there may be reasons you're not ready to go the natural route. Then there are traumas. There's a space where it's like, I'm not that comfortable with my body and I need to unpack that before I'm ever willing to even consider going this route. That is all okay. Do it at Mm -hmm. your pace. I, I think the most important thing for us is to know that you, f- you feel empowered enough to make an educated decision and know that you don't have to take the first one presented to you. Definitely. So I just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I love having this conversation. Now that's all for today's episode. But remember, these conversations are just a starting point, and hopefully it's given you more than enough to think about and reflect on in your personal time. But don't let the conversation end here. Keep it going within your own personal circles. But as always, take care of yourselves, and you will hear from me in two weeks. Peace and light.